Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. This is episode number 118. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, and I'm joined by my one and only co-host, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I'm awesome. Thank you very much. Super excited to be here to talk about The Walking Dead again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just to, to, to kind of hello, hello, and welcome to. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, just to just to kind of put this out there, I actually enjoyed this episode for the most part. So uh, I know that I was kind of surprised to hear that there were people that didn't like it. Um, as you know, so well, I guess we'll go into it. Um, but uh, I just wanted to get that out the way because uh, I'm I get criticized a lot because of my criticism of the show, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is hilarious, right? Because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I don't want to be that guy that's just all doom and gloom all the time. You know what I mean? So that's why I was like, uh, I was really happy that um, this was an episode that I could get behind. So uh, what were your thoughts overall? Well, uh, so just to pick up on that just a little bit, <clears throat> something interesting happened uh, this season. And I think that this is one of the most difficult things that a series will face, especially a very long series. And I actually saw Game of Thrones go through this and unfortunately they didn't handle it as well. And I think that that ultimately is why a lot of people ended up disliking the ending. Um, And so what happens is over the course of a series, you know, writers don't always hang on until the end. In some they do, but not always. And In The Walking Dead, we have seen not just uh, a plethora of different directors, but also a very wide talent pool when it comes to writers. And in some ways, that has been awesome and amazing. And in another way, it has also been ultimately a very difficult thing, I think, for the uh, viewers to sort of understand and assimilate because each season almost feels like sort of its own little uh mini world and a lot of this is also nuanced by locations because certain locations seem to work much better than other locations and um there you know the prison was a little bit different than uh the farm and the farm was very different from um Alexandria. I mean, we have a lot of dynamics at work, both from the show writers and from just the logistics of what it takes to create a show. So it's been going downhill for, I think, I don't think anybody will say that they can't see where the show could improve. Uh, And it's been a while. It's been a while since that has been happening. But this season, I think they decided to kind of do something a little bit different and they really began to showcase a different kind of talent. They got a little bit more cohesive in terms of their writing. And I don't know if you noticed, but I do. 
the timing, I think I said this before, the timing in this season, episode to episode, has been very different from what we've seen before. Rather than having a lot of very splintered episodes where we're seeing a little bit of this group and a little bit of this group and something happening over here and something happening over here, we are, we're focused a little bit more on an overall central event per episode. And that seems to act a little bit like some narrative glue to The Walking Dead. And it also, I think, gives it the ability to catch its breath and do a correct timing episode to episode. So 60 Minutes feels like it's more um, inside of our uh, basic three-act part so that you've got you know, your beginning rise, your conflict and then your i won't ever say that there's a resolution but there's a fall in action and it feels very much like that's what we get here rather than trying to jar us into oh my god the final cliffhanger or you know leaving us constantly like you know we're supposed to be on pins and needles for uh, not just what's going to happen next, but did we really see what we just saw? I mean, like the the sensationalism of The Walking Dead, I think, is something that they've sort of beat into, they beat it to death. And fortunately, they don't seem to want to resuscitate that. They want to move into something that's a little bit more like dramatic storytelling. And I, so I applaud that. Okay. Now, having said that, the, this episode in particular felt like it had some pretty good timing, despite the fact that it was sort of segmented out. And I'll point to the very beginning when they do the time sequence, where we are basically shown that over the course of about, what, 36 or so hours, actually a little bit less, we we can see what the overall net effect is on people not sleeping. I mean, the whole episode basically is centered around the theme of sleep, rest, uh, exhaustion. I mean, like, that's the basic premise. Time, I guess, I think was the basic premise. And so by giving us a sense of what it's like to feel the relentless onslaught of what's going on without necessarily putting us into that continually. It was actually really smart because it gives us sort of that uh, beginning time reference. And then we can spend the time that we need to with the characters while still remembering that we've got that as the backdrop. And that's just sort of one example of what I think that they've done better this season. However, I realize this is really long. I'm so sorry. The downside is that The Walking Dead has, I think, eroded the trust of a lot of viewers. And I'm not saying diehard fans, because diehard fans will be diehard fans, and I don't think you're going to dissuade them from being fans. But for a lot of people, The Walking Dead it lost the confidence of its viewers because it kept sort of promising something that it didn't deliver on. And now this season, we have something I think that is deliverable and it's really hard to convince people that there's something different. So that I, I needed to get that out of the way because it was, it feels to me like we are sort of at a bit of a crossroads with the walking dead. And I think it's important to understand in context what's happening. Does that all make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, I couldn't have said it even any better. Um, it, it is what's going on with the show, you know? 
And uh, it's unfortunate because the show had so much promise in the beginning uh, up until probably about the fourth season and these last six seasons. I would say it's been mediocre now more than it's been um, great. And um, that's unfortunate. Uh, now, you know, but it's had moments, though, during during that mediocre stretch, excuse me, where I felt like, you know, it kind of got his groove back, uh, you know, slight bit at least. Um, but um, you know what? I would say, though, you know, just talking about this episode, I thought it was a pretty good episode. And I didn't like the last third of it. But, I mean, it starts off great. Like that open montage, excellent. Yeah. Very well done. And, uh, you know, and technically it's always been top. You know, all the technical aspects of the show, it's always been on point and on top. So I can never take that away from this show. Uh, but going back to uh, the, the opening is great. I thought the performances were excellent. I thought Carol was really good in this episode. Um, and let's go into Carol. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's actually talk about Carol a little bit. So Carol, you know, I I, I watched The Talking Dead. And Did they, you? Yeah, and I kind of heard what they were saying about, and I tried not to because I don't want it to bleed into it. Yeah, I, didn't, I actually didn't see it this time. I heard she was going to be on, but I didn't see it. Oh, I I only saw the beginning of it. So if she came in, it was it must have been later, because um, it was Angela Kang and uh, Jericho, Chris Jericho. Oh, okay. So if she came in. It, it must have been later. I didn't see the whole thing. Or maybe it was part of an interview. I don't know. Like I said, yeah, I didn't see it either. So. But um, anyway, so uh, I saw, so Carol, um, they were talking about her actions right at the border, and. To be honest with you, her actions were straight up selfish and stupid. She would have literally, okay, let's say she shot her. She would have gotten everyone killed because they were, you know, they were all unarmed and their men were armed and ready to go. And then you could have potentially gotten the whole group killed because once they finished them off, they could have just finished off the rest of the group because those were all the strongest people, right? Right. And uh, so her actions were terrible and short-sighted. And I it really bothered me. You know, it kind of reminded me of uh, Kate from Lost. You know? Oh, yeah. Just constantly doing stupid stuff that could get the group in trouble. But, um, you know, so... Because I know Carol gets propped up as, you know, the strong character but in in time she is but in this case you know i mean you could say she was she's blind by blinded by rage she's blinded by this desire to you know get revenge but uh you know she's a, an intelligent person and that was just a dumb move um to be honest with you that move should have probably resulted in her death the fact that she got away with it seems like that was kind of unbelievable that they would you know just kind of let her off the hook like that so so let me let me interject something and let me get your opinion on what this is that i'm about to say tell me if you agree or disagree fundamentally i think that if we had had carol's action 
as a result of what happened to her son in the context of I'm a grieving mother and this is insane and I can't hold my emotions back, it would have been fine. But this is one of my biggest problems with The Walking Dead. And that is that they pretend that some of these characters haven't been around forever in a day and that their backstories and that the, the stories of who they are. In fact, you know, I can't even say that because part of this episode was Carol looking at a magazine cover where it looked like there was the perfect family and it clearly affected her and how you go from having a woman who can we all just remember for a second that Carol's cookies were a thing? Can we all just remember for a second that Carol was one of the most conniving and I think in the best possible way, duplicitous characters of the walking dead that there was for a time. And it's, it's like all of a sudden, all of that is erased because she was with Ezekiel. I, I, I mean, honestly, this is one thing about the walking dead that I just don't understand. I don't understand why they treat the past episodic pieces of character development as if they don't mean anything unless it actually does something to the plot. Otherwise, let's just ignore it. I mean, this is not the Carol who said, look at the flowers. This is not the Carol that I recognize from season after season after season of The Walking Dead. Does does that uh, tell me what you think? What what it, it, just in terms of assessment? What do you think about that? No, I agree. I mean, you could say that she's been altered by her experiences, but you know, uh, it was just. I mean, you could say to make an argument in their defense or in in making her that way defense, you can say that all this time that she spent, um all this time that she has spent in this world maybe has corroded her brain and her thinking that that can be an argument that's made but it still was stupid you know and it was well i would counter that though with if if that is the case then give us the audience some context give us some visual or auditory clues about the fact that see because like i can completely understand missing time right that's a thing that's an actual thing and when you are under extreme duress missing time is an actual uh it's a psychological thing and so that to me felt very real what didn't feel real to me was the very beginning like you said where she was it, I get the fact that she wants to kill Alpha and don't get me wrong, right? Because I'm not questioning Carol's motivations. I, I totally get them. But the Carol of a couple of seasons ago is not this Carol at all. And I don't, yes, she's, of course, things have changed for her. But how do you reconcile that that things have changed for her so much so that she's willing to endanger the entire group, like you said, for for a selfish moment of revenge. I, I mean, that just doesn't even seem like. I don't know. It just seems very out of out of place. 
What did you think? Yeah, I think it was selfish. But I also, along those very same lines, I also think that, uh, that, you know, Daryl's reaction to Carol is also similarly just as baffling. You gotta, you gotta tell me what you think about that first before I say anything. It's baffling. What do you mean? Well, it seems to me that that Daryl is almost a perfect enabler for Carol. That no matter what she does, not only is he there to sort of explain it away, but he's also there to sort of make it seem like it's not as big of a deal as it is. And I just thoroughly disagree with that. Well, you know, they they relate to each other in a special kind of way. So, and and mind you, I'm not saying this to say that I believe it's right or whatever. I'm just trying to think about what they're thinking, the writers. And um, so in my estimation, I'm assuming that the reason why that he's making, you know, these decisions is because he, you know, I, they have like a, a, a relationship that's very different and that, you know, they have some sort of, uh, they agree with each other in ways that, you know, they, they have a special kind of friendship. Remember, and remember, it's only a friendship, <laughs> nothing more. Right. So. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So, so help me square this, uh, two episodes ago. Carol was ready to leave. Correct. And Daryl somehow pulls her back, right? And says, no, 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 we need you. Right. And, and in that time, then Carol is now sort of pulling the quest of I must kill Alpha as her primary this is my directive. This is what I must do. This is my destiny. This is my fate. Or do you think that it was just in the moment that she just, you know, saw Alpha and said, oh, okay, no, no, no. But see, I don't know, because uh, the, the idea that she brought the gun with her says to me that I, I think she was ready for, she was ready to throw it down. Yeah. You think yes, or you think no? No, no yes, I agree. So, okay, so the, I, I, we, we definitely disagree a little bit about Carol, but I think overall, <clears throat> we can all agree that Carol's actions were very selfish. So let, let's, so let's, <laughs> let's skip, uh, let's skip ahead here. Let's skip ahead to, uh, to Negan. <laughs> you you got to tell me what you thought about that whole Negan interaction. Oh, did I lose you? I must have lost you. Well, I'll, I'll I will start and say that I think that uh, it's it's so funny how far Negan has come, and yet how Negan Negan still is. Um, mm -hmm. it, obviously, he wasn't going to let uh, wasn't going to let anybody die. On the other hand, it certainly didn't seem like he was going out of his way uh, to try to redeem himself exactly as much as he was just trying to say look this is who i am you guys got to accept it what did you think yeah i i think that was a very good 
Negan moment, you know, uh, where it, it, you know, it really, um, it spoke. It like, look, at some point they need Negan to come back in the mix, right? They need Negan to come back in the mix in a big way, and I think that all that is is just setting up, you know, Negan's eventual um, return to Neganness. Also, you know, to be honest, uh, look, I, I know people get super uh, upset with Negan, and and uh, rightly so. I mean, you know, he's definitely not. He's he's a very ragged edge. But nothing that Negan says is necessarily untrue. Right. It's it, and and I think that that's actually what bothers people, because Negan is sort of. I, I won't call him nihilistic because he's not nihilistic. He's he's confrontational, but his confrontational uh, system, if you will, his, what governs his behavior is very much a. It's it, it is absolutely a truth <clears throat> of who they are and where they're at that Negan sees into them what I think they oftentimes are afraid to confront themselves. And I feel like this was a perfect example of that. You know, Negan saying, well, it's your fault that he's dead, that your lover's dead, is is not, it's terrible and it's absolutely appalling and nobody should ever say that. But it's not necessarily untrue in the sense that Look, if you think about it hard enough, maybe you could assign guilt someplace or other. I, I mean, I personally don't agree with that, but I believe that what Negan is saying is something more along the lines of stop feeling sorry for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agreed with him. I, I felt like he's right. For, you know, uh, I feel like he was right. It, it it also was like between I, I think that between Aaron and Negan, what we got was a, a standoff moment that was um, it's a standoff moment that that sort of I think made them both have to confront a little something like okay ne you know clearly negan's big conflict right now is one he he he, he doesn't want to go out and fight i totally get that and two he knows that he is not accepted in the group and aaron's idea that he shackle him up that he shackle negan up in order to bring him back was i mean even i was actually a little bit uh upset for Negan. Like, I mean, that it, it actually was an affront in a way that I didn't even expect to feel. But I think that this really showcases something that has, that is sort of a thing, which The Walking Dead is so good at doing, which is they take a group characteristic and they boil it down to two characters and hash it out between those two characters when it's really a meta symbol of the wider group. Right. And that happens a lot in The Walking Dead. So in this one, the group really hates Negan, or at least they don't trust him. I don't know if they hate him, but they don't trust him. And it kind of all boils down to Aaron is the 
is the representation of the group and Negan is the representation of Negan. And what do we get in the end? We get, we're wrong about Negan. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's actually true. I really don't know if that's true. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, there is going to be that moment, that watershed moment where Negan becomes a full member of the group. Uh, you know, when I, when or he I, joins the whispers. I don't think so. Um, I believe, <laughs> I believe he's going to, he's going to end up, well, I, 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 okay. Spoiler alert. If you've read the comics, I believe that. Okay, I'm, I don't want to say it to mess somebody up, but look, just put your fingers in your ear for for like three minutes, <laughs> or or I'll say it like this: I think that he's going to, much like the comic book, do something to the whisperers that is going to make the group fall in love with him. Right. I, right. I, and actually, I was just going to say, I think that Negan is actually on what I would call a redemptive arc um, and he, and the redemptive arc for him because of the past crimes have been so enormous, whatever the redemption is, it has to be equally or surpassing in magnitude. And so that is a pretty high bar to set. That's a very high bar to set. I, I think that he, yeah, he's going to do something and uh, what's going to end up happening is that they're going to love him for it. So uh, let me, I'm going to ask you uh, what you thought about the, um, the, so the meeting, uh, which I think we sort of glossed over because we were talking about Carol, but I really think that this is important. The meeting between alpha and uh and the group the the front people when alpha says okay look we're we're not gonna employ bloodshed here but we are going to take some of your boundaries we're gonna steal some land back i have to say that there's a part of me that thought in that moment that capitulating to alpha was weak on the group's part but it opened up i think uh, a door for what i was really unsure how it was going to happen because eventually there has to be some kind of showdown between the whisperers and, uh, and, and the groups, right? There has to be some kind of, I mean, clearly things can't just go on with this level because I feel like that would become monotonous, but we were introduced to possibly a new threat, which is that the zombie, or the Walker hordes might be doing things a little bit differently. And I don't mean that they're doing things differently. Like they're being directed to do things differently. I mean, like, like maybe Eugene was right. Maybe 
the satellite crash was actually a bigger event than we even anticipated it being. And maybe Alpha sees that too. Do you know what I mean? Of course he's right. They wouldn't put it in there unless, you know, it, it wasn't just a throwaway. Well, I mean, when it comes to Eugene, sometimes the things that Eugene says are not red herrings as much as they're just sort of Eugene says things in the moment. I mean, I can go back and point to a whole bunch where Eugene has said things and they have turned out to be completely false because Eugene is acting in his own self-interest pretty consistently, even when he's acting for the group's interest, he's still acting in his own interest. And, you know, just as a, just as a punch point to that in this episode, we saw Eugene have to be told point blank that there was no chance that he would ever get what he wanted, despite the fact that he was trying as hard as he could to create a world where it could happen. And so everything that we all thought that Eugene was doing, you know, the baby stuff and the schedule, and uh, that was that was not for the baby. And it was not for anybody else except him. And even going out to fight, we found out in the end, was not about him. I mean, not about her, her or the baby or anything. It was about him. Right. It was about him wanting to have a chance. Do, do you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. So sometimes the lines that Eugene throws out are, they're so incredibly, well, narcissistic isn't the right word because it's not that he's necessarily 100% narcissistic, although I think, you know, he, that's a big part of him. It's it, It's that everything that he does is centered around what he what benefits him in in a in a very different way than uh than almost any of the other characters almost not, even negan in this episode behaved in a way that wasn't a hundred percent you know to his benefit because he could have left you know he could have picked up the crowbar he could have he could have killed aaron he didn't and whether that is in his best interest or not in his best interest, all I'm saying is that there was the opportunity for him to do something different and he didn't. And with Eugene, I don't know. The, it, sometimes the lines that he says seem to have a kind of, uh, I don't know, there's just, there's always underneath it, I think you always kind of have to look at them with a, a bit of skepticism because I don't know if he's actually working for the group or not working for the group. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? No, it makes perfect sense. I, I wouldn't trust him at all. He's not one of my favorite characters. Uh, and uh, of course she wouldn't be interested in him. If she t all of a sudden became interested in him, I would probably stop watching. Cause uh, <laughs> it's like- Well, yeah, right. That's, you know, why would she? You know, like there would only be in a fantasy TV world where she would be. So, um, you know, I don't know. He he's just an annoying character, and uh, you know the 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 thing is, I think it's been going on for too long, right? Rosita has has basically, I think, 
allowed Eugene, almost strung him along. I don't mean this in, in a negative, you know, like I don't think she's she's not purposefully being mean to him. I think in some ways she was trying to soften the edge a little bit by saying, oh, okay, fine. You know, if he wants to be involved, he wants to be involved. What harm is there in this? And I think she eventually realized this episode that, no, 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 there is harm in this. There's harm in this because you are clearly holding on to something that isn't that doesn't exist. And Eugene's line about uh, lowered inhibitions when you're drunk is the same as lowered inhibitions when you're super tired. Look, uh, there's validity in that. And I think that it was exactly what he needed to hear. But more than that, I think it's exactly what Rosita needed to say. Like, I, I mean, I can see that this has been sort of culminating into something over the past couple of episodes that felt really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? No, I feel, yeah, it, it is very uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, at a certain point, he has to protect himself. And which he, you know, he chose to do. So, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know how the, the fans are, are viewing this whole thing with, Rosita and him? Like, have you heard anything? I mean, like, really? Well, you know, the thing is, last night on, uh, last night on Twitter, when I went to go sort of do my uh, walkthrough of what people were talking about, there's a, there's a lot of negativity, obviously. Um, but most people, it seemed to me that most people, their, the experience of, uh, Rosita and Eugene is, you know, damn, that's really harsh. Uh, Rosita, you know, basically friend zoned him, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, well, what's ridiculous? It, it's ridiculous that that it, it, she didn't friend zone him. That's that is if you're going to use that, that's a totally different context. She told him straight up, I have zero romantic feelings for you, and I never have. Not it, like setting the record straight is not friend zoning somebody. That's that is a very different context. And in some ways, I feel like like it's almost like you know pe people hate Eugene until something bad happens to Eugene, and then he's everybody's favorite victim. You know, oh poor Eugene, that really sucked. You know, but honestly, he makes himself a victim by not paying attention to any of the things that are happening around him. And there is definitely a very intentional writer, uh, uh, well, a, a, I should say a characterization. There's a, a very significant writing um, style around Eugene where his character is the ultimate victim at all times. And sometimes he's able to do things through that victimization that benefit the group and that do some really cool stuff, because it ultimately it also benefits him as well. But under I think underneath all of this garbage, if you will, is simply a man who perpetuated a, a complete and total lie upon which he asked people to protect him, to be his guardians, to... and. Every time he even comes close to being sort of like redeeming himself, he has to go through this whole thing where he is the victim again. And it's, just, I, wow. I mean, it's, it's sort of mind blowing. 
Well, he totally got friend zone. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, that is being, that's the ultimate. That is not friend zoned. How is it not when someone tells you they want to be your friend, not your lover? That's you being. Friend? No, 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 because, okay, because here's, this is the difference. Because the difference is that there was, Rosita has been clear for a very long time that she's not interested in him. That that's friend zoning. Yeah, you know, that, okay, so let me put it to you this way. So let me put it to you this way. Wait a minute. Last night's episode did nothing actually for the relationship between the two of them, except clarify to Eugene, who's the only person out of all the millions of people who watch The Walking Dead who don't get it, that she is not into him. So it's not means that's the definition of friend zoning. Uh, I don't know. See, I, I feel like I feel like the connotation of friend zoning is that somebody gives you hope that, you know, you could possibly be part of their relationship. Oh, you know, they string you along a little bit and then they push you back a little bit. And then they and then because ultimately friend zone, the only time I ever hear people use the word friend zone is when a man says about a woman. Oh, my God, I totally got friend zoned out of that. Women don't seem to use that term in even close to the same way. Oh God, you come to uh, come to Mars Venus. Women always talk about their friends. Uh, oh damn! So no friend zone. Well, only thing a friend zone means is that um, a woman that you are in some sort of relationship with. When I say so, you just said woman. Uh, well, I'm talking about from a man's point of view. Okay. It could be it could be male or female. Um, when a person. That's better. In some sort of relationship with, um, like let's say a friendship or uh, you know, or or whatever uh, it is, um, tells you that they're not interested in you. They just want to be your friend. Well, in in this particular instance, all I can say is it's about time. It's about damn time. I wish that Rosita would have said that to him. Yeah, but much earlier. But see, this is the problem too about when people. A lot of times, when people know you like them, they like the benefits that come with someone's pursuit of you, but they just don't want to, you know. So yeah, but I don't see th- I don't see that in Rosita. Oh, I no. don't see that in her. It's Rosita. She believe me. She like. She likes. First of all, it's an ego boost too that you have somebody following you like a puppy dog, you know? Um, and then also, uh, you know, I think the best thing to do is what she did, but what she should have done very early on is just say, it's not going to happen, Captain. Right. End of the world and you still can't get this. Just rip the bandaid off and let it, let whatever happens happen. I, I think in some ways that, that the whole Rosita, that the issue with Rosita was that she is too nice to Eugene and or she's too nice in general and that i think creates uh, it sort of sets up its own problems and and i i feel like she like eugene said you know she just got to the point where she was like okay look i can't take this anymore this isn't the way it's going to be but to go back to what we were talking about the idea that that what's happening with the horde with a horde i don't know it's i shouldn't say the horde because it seems like if we talk about the horde we're talking about alpha's horde 
but something is something's driving uh the walkers toward alexandria and maybe even toward the other settlements we don't know um and if that's true then that creates uh, a bit of a problem i think overall for all the groups because it's not just alpha directing um and in some ways i also think that that's actually kind of good I, I feel like it's a, a good point um to for them to make because what I really hope that they don't do is turn this season, next season, and whatever other season into just one long fight, which mm -hmm. is what they did with the Saviors. So, right, right. yeah, well, it's supposed to be the uh, what is it? The war, the war of the whispers, right? No, no, I'm talking about the Saviors. What was it called? All at war, right? Oh, all at war, right, right. So, I mean, so if it's all at war, I guess it kind of has to be like that, right? But but I but I, I I do think that the the alpha and the whispers they've already set it up so that it is quite a bit more uh, devious and conniving and a lot less just sort of like in your face weapons and you know that kind of stuff. It's definitely a lot more psychological, which is great. Yeah, I mean, look, all our war is cool too if handled right. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, but we just don't need another three seasons of it. I think is all I'm thinking. We did that, and that was great, and it, and it was awesome. It was. But we don't need more. I we think we're looking for something else. I'm I'm for anything that works. <laughs> so like, <laughs> if it's a lot more if it's a, if it's um ping pong uh, tournament, <laughs> whatever. Oh hey, that that could actually work. Yeah. Yeah, walkers against the living. Yeah, let's do it. That would be funny. It would. It'd be funny. They're really good at it too. Because <laughs> they think it's oh never mind. I can't even I, go there. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you, um, I feel like this is something we did early on in, in this podcast. We talked about um, just more so us as people, me, uh, me and the host, what we would do in certain situations. And mm -hmm. I was going to do that for this episode, but I feel like um, I, I had a bunch of questions I was going to ask you. like uh, Because, you know, I think because we've been so episode heavy episode heavy and we haven't gotten into like um you know it is a world it's a universe like right how would we me i mean we kind of did a little bit the last episode but i wanted to expand on that but uh we'll, we'll save that for the next time um, sounds like a plan all right all right so so uh, I'm, I, I think the consensus here is uh, I definitely enjoyed this episode. I think, Kinte, did you enjoy this episode? Yeah, I did. I actually did. Except for the, the last part of it was kind of boring, but yeah, for the, yeah, I did. I liked the, the trickery and the, you know, I love the, the meth story. And then you, he's like, I never had, a, you know. I love yeah. And, and the use of time. The, the, the other thing is that they really did zero in on this use of time and, and sort of the missing time and the PTSD. There's a lot of really cool things that they're doing um, that I can see, which I really did enjoy. I enjoyed it very much, this episode. And I hope that people will sort of come back and give it another chance if they have left, because it really does feel a bit different. So, mm -hmm. So having said that, uh, Kente, how can we find you on social media? You can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram, and of course the website is IndieRadio.org. How can they get you? You can find me on Twitter at FollowingBliss1, and you can 
Find my websites at moviesmakethemeal.com and criticallaughs.com. So until next week, we'll see uh, you soon. Wait, I have a, oh. an, uh, an announcement. Uh, it's an unfortunate announcement. Um, we won't be on next week, so we're going to double up on uh, episodes the following week. So, um, so uh, uh, that's, you know, uh, I'm going out of town. Unless something comes along where I can see the episode and set it up. I'll bring my laptop, but I don't I, I don't want to it's going to be real hard for that, you know? So um but cuz yeah, I'm just going to say that uh we may not be on next week. So, uh more than likely. Well, we'll 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 have to we'll have to recap in double time for the following week then. All right. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.